Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. first is let's pray and um, and then I'll let you be seated. So let's pray and ask God. Um, I know this word is already anointed, so let's pray that he'll anoint us and uh, touch us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you tonight. We love and we thank you. And Father, most of all, we thank you for this holy word. I thank you for what it is, for what it means. What it, can, what it can accomplish, Lord God, this very night. Touch us. Touch our minds, our hearts, Lord God. For we not only want to hear, but we want to perceive it. We want to understand it, Lord God. Comprehend it, Lord God. I ask you to touch us, Lord God. Strengthen us, each and every one. Have your way this day, God, I pray. Thank you for what you're going to do. Minister and move, God, on each and every life. Touch us, God, I pray right now. Because of this anointed word, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may, you may be seated. I just want to talk tonight, um, I just basically have a collection of thoughts that I've just pondered and I just, for a title, I've just got this delegated authority and if there's one thing that I truly believe that the name of Jesus brings is delegated authority. And I believe that's one reason why the church has fought so hard because there's so much done in the name of Jesus, but it's yet, and I've said, why would people ask God to bless so many occasions in their life? And I'm not trying to be sarcastic when I say, you know, if I was the Lord, you're just almost flirting with me. You asking me to bless everything you do, bless your food, but you won't marry me, you won't take my name. All you're doing is just asking me to bless you here and there, but the most important thing you won't take, you won't take my name. So, and that's what I just, a lot is going on, has been said in our country, And but I love the Old Testament, so what I wanna do is start there and just, uh, what I think we should do is look at the Old Testament and learn from the Old Testament. And what I like to do, me personally, I like to read, study the Old Testament, but apply it today. You know, and I just don't want to, wow, that's David and Goliath. Man, that's a story. No, I believe it's a story for today, you know, to learn from it. But um, so go with me to Exodus, the third chapter. And what this is here. Moses has already left Egypt. He's basically on the backside of the desert and he's out tending sheep. He went from the palace to the sand. So he's with the sheep. So in Exodus 3, 1 and 2, 
He's keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame. Now, listen to the way this, this is worded. Appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. <laughs> That's almost a tongue twister. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Boy, I see that as the way God anoints us. He can just burn us up with zeal, but yet, you know, God knows just how much he can, anointing he can put on an individual without sending us over the edge because we're still in this body of flesh. So Moses is looking at this bush of this angel that's in the flame of the fire and the bush is burning, but the bush is not consumed. And Moses is, you know, looking at this, trying to figure out this great happening right before his eyes. And verse seven said, this is the Lord speaking to the angel. I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So here's the Lord telling Moses from the very beginning, I know the reason my people are crying. It's because of their taskmasters. So anytime, I believe anytime, something is happening to us and somebody is causing that pain, you don't have to wonder if God knows who that is. I believe it with everything that's in me. God is keeping, <laughs> he's keeping a record. You mess with one of his children, it seems like, well, they've been there a long time. That's God's business. But it's also God's business is I know it's by reason of their taskmasters that this pain is coming from. So he's telling them, I have seen this. Verse 10, he says, Come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, 11, he said, Moses said unto him, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, this is where he just came from. And the Lord's telling him, look, it's time for you to go back. In verse 12, and he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be the token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Remember when it said in verse 1 that he was at the mountain of God, even to Horeb? You know, the Bible speaks a lot about Horeb, the mountain. And so he says, this is going to be the sign. You are going to worship on this mountain. That's going to be the token. That's going to be the sign that I give to you. But here is just, I mean, we have heard the, we have grew up heard the saying, and it's just like Moses when he says, and Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh? That should give us hope. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. Here's the phrase that we've always heard. People it's just people. So here's a man that God chose and he's questioning God, really? He's like Gideon. Are you sure? <laughs> you want me? <laughs> you know, really, I think there's somebody else you should choose. But people's just people. So, you know, you can't think, you know, really? God, you want me to teach that Bible study? You know, people's just people. 
So here's Moses. He's, he's trying to deal with God and said, you know, really, I don't think I should do this. And God's, you know, you know you're the one. I want you to go do this. So he's telling him, you are the one. I want you. So he's telling him to go do this. Now, the fourth chapter, he takes and he goes over and in the first verse, he tells him, I might not read all of this, but in Exodus 4, Moses said unto him, they won't believe me. They won't say, they will say the Lord hadn't appeared to me. And a lot of this, y'all know. So he said, what's in your hand? He said, a rod. So he told him to cast it on the ground. He did. And then he takes, and then the serpent didn't flee. Moses fled. So he gets up. The Lord tells him to take it by the tail, and he did, and he catches it. And then he says, I'm doing this, that they may believe that, that the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And then he tells him, put your hand in your bosom. He takes it out, it's leprosy. And so he tells him to put it back, and he does, and it was just like the other, other hand. And he said, but this is what, Gets me, he said, and it came to pass if they would not believe thee nor hearken to the voice, the voice, the Lord talks about his voice a lot, his voice. And the Bible says, how should they hear without a preacher? If you're preaching the truth, people that has been preached the truth out of God's word and just walk away, God's telling Moses here, if they will not hearken unto your voice, then it's going to come to blood. He says, go to the river, take water out of the river, go to the dry ground, pour it on the ground, and that water is going to turn to blood. So he does that, and it does turn to blood. And then he says, they are going to have to believe. So he's doing this, and all of this, all of this, People's just people. So all of this, God, I believe, was doing just to strengthen the faith of Moses. Now here God's called him to lead all these people out, and there was a lot going on. I mean, how would you like to do this? I know I wouldn't. Believe me. <laughs> believe me. All of this is going to transpire and takes place, and God says, you're the one. So he goes out, and he says, but they are going to have to believe you. And then he, he tells him, he says, I'm slow to speak, and the Lord, I wouldn't say the Lord gets angry, but the Lord just tells Moses, who has made man's mouth? You know, it's like the Lord, you know, uh, enough of this, enough of this. I want you to go do it. And so he, 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 he keeps going. He says, I will be with thee, and I will do it. So we see that. And then he's telling him that I am, I will be with you when you go do this. Now, the one thing this was about was removing God's people from the enemy. God had promised them a land that flowed with milk and honey. He had swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's what this was about, was taking his people from under the oppression of the enemy. So he, he takes and finally convinces Moses, this is time to do this. In verse 21, I want you to look. 
In four, chapter 4, verse 21, the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thy hand, but I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go. Now, don't feel sorry, so to speak, for Pharaoh, where the Bible says, but I will harden his heart. How many times have we heard preachers say they're bent on going that way? Nothing you could say, nothing you could do. Harden here in Hebrew means strengthen. God said the Pharaoh, he's got all his gods. He's not going to believe me, Jehovah. So if he is bent that way, then what I'm going to do is strengthen his resolve to go that way. So when he says, I will harden his heart, that's what God means. He means that the gods of Egypt is going to override me. So in essence, we'll see. So he's taken and he says, that's what's going to happen. But I will harden his heart or I will strengthen his heart. So in that's 21. But he, and then God is just saying, but he ain't going to let the people go. He's not going to. He is not willingly going to let the people go. Verse 22 is a unique verse. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. In 23. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Now, what I learned in, in studying this actually is where the Bible says here in verse 22, and thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord. Now this is a common quoting to us. But this is the first time in the Bible that God delegated this to humanity. When he told Moses here, thus saith the Lord, you go to Pharaoh and you tell him I said so. You tell him Jehovah said so. I am that I am. This is the first time in scripture that this is put to man, to humanity. So Moses is given the responsibility to go tell Pharaoh and that's what Moses said. He's, he's not going to know who you are. Who are you? And you just tell him I am that I am. I've always been. I've always been here. So he said you go tell him and then the second thing that's unique about this, he said, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Israel is my son. It's the first time God acknowledged Israel as his son. Now, Old Testament, it is bare, it's bore out that the children of Israel was God's son. It was looked at, but this is the first time. Here it is. Now, all of this is just about getting the people out of Egypt, getting them from bondage. And God is acknowledging. He's saying, you can use my name. You have my authority to go free my people from Pharaoh and from the enemy. So he takes and he gets them up. But where the, another unique thing comes to do is where he tells him, where he draws a line. He said, if you refuse, he said, let my son go that he may serve me. And what's unique he says, because if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. In Egypt, 
what was unique about them is the firstborn of everyone was set aside to the worship of their gods. So God said, you won't let my son go? I'm taking yours. And he did. That's why God said, you have my authority. You go do it. You go tell Pharaoh. And each plague, I mean, I won't go through them, but each plague was directed at one of the gods of Egypt. And then the 10th was the last one. So he's telling him, he says, you have to do this. And so here we have Moses would be in, and I don't know if he really realized the authority that had been given to him at this time, but he's telling him to go. And that's why that one of the things that we can gain, here we are, it is, we've heard it all our life. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. You know, we're born here, but we're of liking it to Egypt, you know, and I believe we should pray for those that we're praying for, just as, 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 you know, as God told them, Israel is my son. You're praying for somebody, insert their name there and say, they're my son. They're not the enemies. Pharaoh said, just cause they was born in Egypt, they were slaves. And God said, no, you got it wrong. They are my sons. And, and the one thing that's unique to me is you can't put gender on son because of the people when their firstborn died, it was literally male or female. And this was from the palace to the barn, livestock and all. If it was a firstborn, it didn't matter. God took them. You say you're gonna set them aside for your gods? No, you want to hold my people? Enough's enough. I draw the line. So God did it. He did. You touch my son and I won't put up with that. God said so. He did this. Now, in the 12th chapter of Exodus, this is in 12th and the 29th verse. The Bible says, and it came to pass at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from all the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne and to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon to all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up at midnight, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And God, this is the end of God bringing them out, but God took and he said, this was going to happen. I sent my man there. I gave him my authority to do this, and I wanted it done. And we, we see this happening. I want you to turn with me to the book of, if you would, of Hebrews. I want to read a verse that's common to us. In Hebrews 4, the Bible says, I want you to, it's, it's a verse that's very common to us, but I, I want you to listen, listen to the words. Speaking about the Bible. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. 
we can't even come close to accomplishing what this verse says. We don't have the mental capability. We don't have no kind of capability to do what this verse does. Now, I wrote down some of the words that only that occurs in this verse that's only in the Bible one time. Sharper, piercing, joints, marrow, and discerner is only in the Bible one time, and they are in this verse. And some words is only that I didn't write down is in this verse, it's only in the Bible two times. But what I'm saying, there, what we have come through this last year is truly unique. There is a lot of people, I know Sister Rayleigh teaches others that has talked about how has it affected children, how it's affected adults, uh, you know, this alone together or ever how they phrased it, you know, stand six foot apart and the effect it's had on people. And it's just, we see what it's done. I mean, you know, they, they give reports on driving. I don't know if you have to drive in traffic a lot, but they, it's uh, what's called as a, aggressive driving is actually up, believe it or not. Where people's a lot more aggressive, their patience is thin. Um, but when you really try to dissect this verse and read and read about it and understand it, which it's it's more really than I can comprehend. But I was thinking about this of what the word, what this word is, this delegated authority, and. What actually happens when you take God's word and start to read it? A truly spiritual thing starts to happen is this word starts to read you. Because when somebody says, nobody knows what I've been through this last year, I guarantee you God does. Because when you take this and you start to read it and the situations, the loneliness, the times you think nobody knows what it's like to have to live in my skin. We go to this word and just, that's what, that's what come to me. As we read it, it begins to read where we're at, where we are at spiritually. That's why I said don't never try to speed read this. It's just when you read it, let God direct us. And, and I mean, there's Bible reading for sure. But when we are studying, you know, we have to take our time and digest this and read it because reading what this does, piercing, and it's dividing soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. And it's just, we can't do it. I mean, we can't do it. You don't never know. I mean, I, I remember when I was doing, when I was working for myself and I got my, as I mean, this phrase, I got my wings clipped. If you don't know what that means, um, you got shortchanged in money is what I was. But I learned never to say, you know, do you know what I'm saying? And I learned never to say yes. When you're working for somebody and I was providing a service 
and they would say, do you know what I'm saying? I said, yes. <laughs> oh, you agreed to this. You said yes. Learned never to do that. <laughs> because we don't, know, we don't know one another's thoughts. And we don't know one another's intent. But my point, I'll go to, like I say, I'll go to the Old Testament and to prove my point with the Bible, God, go all the way back to Genesis 5 and where he says, the wickedness of mankind was so great that even the thoughts of mankind was only evil continually. And God destroyed the planet because his mankind's thoughts was only evil continually. God knew it. He knew their thoughts. And their thoughts led to intents and intents into actions. And God said, you know, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. And he, and he did. And one that I'll, I'll go to and I don't want to... Um, challenge your theology or your analogy of this anyway just let me share mine with you okay so if you have on the lost son so just I'm not trying to challenge anybody just let me share you my my view on this where the Bible talks about the lost son number one I just I wrote me down some points here he wanted his part. That was unique. I mean, it, he was the younger. He didn't have no right to ask for that. Number two, he wasted his part. Number three, he, he found out there really is a bottom in life. Number four, he began to reason with himself. And I just say number five, home is where he really needed to be. But the point is when he said, I think the one thing that captures this is in the 12th, in Luke 15, in the 12th verse, he said to his father, give me. That's the way he started. Give me, give me. And then he goes until there was nothing less. There was nothing left. The Bible says he just wasted it. He just wasted it. And then he goes all the way down. And then the Bible says when he came to himself. We really, I think we really understand what that means. And uh, probably a lot of us, that means talking to ourselves. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and if, if it's gone way, way too far, how did it get this far or this bad? He came to himself. And I believe the father was listening to all of this. He's talking to himself in his thoughts. Here it's printed, but I believe these are thoughts. And he is just saying, he came to himself. And then he goes back and he says, I will arise and go to my father. But then when he goes back, look at verse 19. Make me. He changed. First it was give me. When he come back, it was make me. So he has changed altogether. So where I believe, and this is where I might differ a little bit, I, I got no problem with the father out looking. 
But I believe the reason the father was looking is because he knew by the son's thoughts that he was coming home. That's why God was looking to where he was going. And then he took and really and truly what is unique about this is the only time in scripture God is pictured running. He's running to a son coming home. And you would say, well, he's wasted everything. He's coming home. But he has his life, his spirit. We put value on all of these external things. In essence, you know, it's... <laughs> It was like somebody, I'll give you a million dollars. Who wouldn't be glad, so to speak? I mean, that would come with a lot of responsibility. I'm not, I'm not being ignorant about that, I'm saying. But I believe the point is this. The other brother flipped out because he had come home with nothing. And he says, I've never left you. I still have everything. But the father was trying to get it across to him. But he still has his spirit. He is alive. The father even tells him but he was dead. If he would have died in that condition, he would have literally been spiritually dead. But he came back. Who cares if he came back with nothing? The point is he came back. It doesn't matter that he come back empty. The point is that he came back. And so he came back. And that's why I believe the Bible pictures for a reason. God running to the lost son. Now, I want to go to and turn with me or either read on the screen in Second Peter, the first chapter. And this is what I believe the apostle the Apostle Peter, if we're going to make a statement and we would say, first I want to preface it with this. And I believe this because we, we usually go to 19 and say we have, but we also have a more sure word of prophecy. But I believe that what Peter is doing at 16, he's making a statement first. He says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we may know on you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but was eyewitness unto his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice from him, uh, such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we was with him, when we were with him in the holy mount. So, he takes, Jesus is literally, I believe, transformed from flesh to spirit. And there, I believe, like Jewish tradition says, out of the mouth of two or three, let everything be established. So he takes Peter, James, and John, and they're like, Peter's like, you know, <laughs> is it really good? People is people. Is it really good for us to be here? We need to make three tabernacles. So the Lord in spirit form speaks concerning his flesh. This is my beloved son 
in whom I am well pleased. So I believe Peter is saying, we was eyewitnesses to that. We seen that with our own eyes. But you don't have to take my word for it. Because we, 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. So he's telling them, you don't have to believe me. I seen it with my own eyes. But this word, I seen it. The other two seen it. But we have a more sure word of prophecy. He said, were unto that you would take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. This is dark. This is dark. Allow God to illuminate us. That's why I've said years ago, you can take a flashlight and shine it on somebody, but you can't turn it on from the inside. Only the Spirit of God can do that. And he said, take a light that shineth in a dark place. So this, the, this word, this living word has the ability to do that. Now, 20 and, uh, 20 and 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they was moved on by the Holy Ghost. Now, I think 20 and 21 transcend time. That's my belief. I believe they do. I don't believe they're locked in. 20 talks about that no prophecy of the scripture is any private interpretation. Mainly, I think we take that to mean when the, the, the writers wrote the Bible, they was not giving you their philosophy. They was not just writing what they believed right. And then 21, the prophecy came out of the old time by the will of God. In other words, they was not sitting around and the wife said, what are you going to do? Well, I think I'll go right a while. No. They had to wait till the Holy Ghost moved on them. Then they wrote. But I believe that both of 20 and 21 transcend time. Knowing this verse that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. And I take that to mean. And, and this is a broad brush. This is truth. No matter what the church says. You got an individual that is longing for something. No scripture, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. If they are in a church and they are hungry, I believe God will reveal his self to them no matter what the church says because it is of no private interpretation. Their preacher might be preaching against us. That Jesus name stuff is not for you. But if they hunger and thirst at, God said, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. And like the lost son, I'll run to you when you're coming home. And the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of men, but holy men spake as they was moved on by the Holy Ghost. I see that today as pastors and ministers preaching under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. For all of this word, next you have the inspiration that comes through when the anointing is being moved and preachers are preaching because then I believe it transcends time. God anoints his word, anoints his flock. People's just people. The flocks is gonna be different a little bit and need a little bit of prodding here and there. And God takes his pastors and anoints them with the Holy Ghost to give direction and guidance that needs to be and that's the way I see that. It goes, it goes, it moves, it moves, and God moved them. We have a more sure word. But the thing about it, 
think of what he was comparing it to. I saw Jesus go from flesh to spirit. But if you think that's something, read this and let it read you. I believe, I believe he was comparing that. He said, I have this and this, this, this will read you. It can help you. It can establish you. When the world's gone crazy, go to something that's stable. Go to something that's established, that's not going to change, that will stay the same, that will never give up or loosen, that will give us the strength and the mental capability to cope with life and the stresses that comes with it. Now, I'm going to close. And if our musicians or singers want to come, I got one more point I want to make. Um, this... This is just me. Um, I always like to say that I really don't have no Bible per se. But this is going, I don't believe Moses was aware of this. But like I say, I like to go to the Old Testament and get something for today. But when God told him what's in your hand and he said a staff and he said cast it on the ground he did he said cast it on the ground but he said pick it up by the tail when you go to the book of revelation and you read the bible says the dragon with his tail drew a third of the angels with him that and at this point that moses is in we had already seen the deception of the enemy of what he had done by deceiving our first parents and the destruction that he had caused. So I believe God was giving us a sign, at least this is the way I see it. When you pick it up by the tail, I will give you at the use of my name, delegated authority, at the name of Jesus, I will give you victory over the enemy. Pick it up by the tail. Now, he tells Moses, he says, put your hand in your bosom. It comes out leprosy. What is leprosy in the New Testament likened to? Sin. Put your hand back in there. It's clear. We have a disease that destroys us from the inside out. And then at the very first time God authorizes his name, this is the signs that he gives Moses. I don't think Moses realized this. But I believe it was delegated authority that gave him the power. And one of these days, God said, I'm going to come. I'm going to die on the cross. And I'm going to establish this. And it was literally at the time Moses was doing it, it was to free his people from the bondage of the enemy. So what would destroy us today, the enemy that we face and the sin that's within us, through the name of Jesus Christ, I believe we have the victory. And I believe that it is through his word, through his spirit, through his ministry, and we can have it no matter what's going on in this world. 
and I thank him for it. I'm going to ask you to stand. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.